Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. To truly know who God is, we must get to know Jesus by receiving Him and digging deeper into all that He is. Pastor Rob explores this concept in his sermon titled, Revealing the Father. Let's listen now. Gracious God, you know how we long to know you. You know how we long to know you more deeply, more personally. And so we pray, God, that today you would reveal yourself to us. Help us, God, to know you. Teach us who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue our study of John chapter 14 today, we are asking the question, how can we know God while we wait? You see, since the fall, we have longed to see God again face to face. In the beginning, when God created human beings, he created us to have face-to-face relationship with him. God created our first two ancestors and placed them in a garden. And then the Bible tells us that on a daily basis, God would walk with them and talk with them. They would see one another face-to-face. Then human beings sinned. And after human beings sinned, they were cast out of the garden, and they no longer saw God on that type of face-to-face daily basis. And yet, we human beings were created to have that kind of face-to-face relationship with God. And so deep down inside, we still long for it. We still hunger to know God in a face-to-face kind of way. Now, we're grateful for the fact that the Bible reveals God to us, and so we do have an opportunity to know so much about God. The Bible is the record of God's interaction with his people for millennia, but more than just a record of God's interaction with his people, through the Bible, God is revealing himself to us, helping us to know him. The Bible helps us to know who God is and who we are in his presence, and what God wants from us. But as the Apostle Paul reminds us, even though God has revealed so much to us through the Bible, we still see as in a mirror dimly, and we still long to know God fully. You see, the Bible tells us absolutely everything that we need to know, but the Bible doesn't tell us everything that we want to know about God. We still want to know God more. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. He writes, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now, Paul writes, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So Paul is saying we long to know more. We long to see and know God in that face-to-face way we were built to enjoy in the beginning. Now, the Bible tells us that when Jesus returns, we will see God face-to-face again. 
When Jesus returns, we will see him face to face, and we long for that day. And with Jesus, we will see God the Father face to face on his throne, and we learn that in eternity, God will be the light that shines from the center of all things, and we will spend eternity with God in relationship. We know that we'll get that when Jesus returns. But while we're waiting for Jesus to return, what is God doing? John chapter 14 tells us that while we're waiting for Jesus to return, Jesus reveals the Father to us. And so as we turn again to John chapter 14 today, we're going to be asking questions. How does Jesus reveal God the Father to us? Why does Jesus be revealing God the Father? Why is that so important? And yet at the same time, how can it be so difficult? And what what does it mean to us? How do we, through Jesus Christ, get to know God the Father better? And as we dig in, we begin in John chapter 14, verse 7, and we are going to find that Jesus knows himself, God the Father. And we learn that because of what Jesus said, almost as a footnote to what we read last week in verses 1 through 6, about Jesus going to prepare a place for us. In John chapter 14, verse 7, Jesus continues. He, write, he says, If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, in John chapter 14, verse 7, we're picking up on the fact that Jesus was surprised that when he told his disciples that he was leaving them, they didn't know where he was going. You see, in chapter 13, Jesus had told the disciples that he was going to be leaving them. And he said, when I leave you, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And he says, I, when I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and take you to that place that I am preparing for you. And Jesus says, you know the place that I'm going and you know the way to get there. To which Thomas replies, nope. We, we don't know where you're going, and so we don't know the way to get there. And Jesus is surprised that the disciples don't know where he is going because Jesus has already made it clear, I came from my Father, and I am going to my Father. We discover in the book of John that Jesus came from the Father and is returning to the Father. In John chapter 1, right at the beginning, in verses 1 and 2, John makes it clear that Jesus is God, that he was with God, and that he has been sent by God. In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we read, In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, with God. Then jumping down to verse 14, we're reminded that God sent Jesus into the world. The Father sent the Son into the world. We read, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, Jesus talked about the, the link between where he came from, and where he was going. In John chapter 8, Jesus was 
confronting the Jewish religious leaders, and, and he was telling them bluntly that he knew where he had come from and where he was going. In John chapter 8, verse 14, we read, I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. And in verse 14, he's saying not only he knows both places, but he is equating them. The beginning and the end, the source and the destination are the same. And in John chapter 8, verse 19, as he continues, Jesus makes it clear that the source and the destination are with his Father. We read in John chapter 8, verse 19, then he, they said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. But then after his resurrection, Jesus, who at times has spoken in ways that are mysterious to us, he makes it abundantly clear. After rising from the dead on, on Easter Sunday, Jesus spoke to Mary Magdalene and made it absolutely clear that he is going to be with his Father. In John chapter 20, verse 17, we read, Jesus said to her, that is to Mary Magdalene, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So Jesus has made it clear. I came from my father, I am going to my father. But you see, the disciples did not understand Jesus' destination because they didn't understand Jesus. They had not at this point fully comprehended the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh, that Son comes from the Father. And because they didn't understand that the Son came from the Father, they didn't understand that the Son was returning to the Father. But here's the problem with that. Because they didn't understand the source or the destination of Jesus, they didn't understand their own destination. That their destination is with the Father as well. Jesus came from the Father, and he's going to the Father. Jesus and the Father, God the Son and God the Father, are intimately linked. And this is critically important for us to understand, because what we need to get from this is Jesus knows the Father. Jesus knows the Father. And that's incredibly important to us, because we want to know God the Father. We want to know God the Father. In verse 8, we read that Philip's response to this was a desire to know the Father. In verse 8, we read, Philip said to him, to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Like Philip, Moses in the Old Testament wanted to know God the Father. And it's surprising that Moses had anything left to know about God the Father because Moses experienced so much of God. Back in the pages of the Old Testament, Moses saw the presence of God as a fire burning in a bush but not consuming it. He saw that. Moses heard the voice of God speaking to him and guiding him and revealing truth to him. 
Beyond that, Moses felt the power of God working through him as God sent plagues through Moses onto the nation of Egypt to set his people free. And out in the wilderness, through Moses, the power of God worked and flowed to provide for and protect the people of Israel in the wilderness. Moses saw the glory of God descend on Mount Sinai like a cloud of fire and thunder and darkness and lightning and trumpets blaring. And then Moses went up into that cloud of God's glory and was in the presence of God, in the presence of the glory of God so long, and he was so transformed by it that when he came down the mountain, he was still radiating the glory of God. Moses experienced the presence of God like very few human beings have had the opportunity to. And yet, Moses longed for more. He said to God, God, I want more. I want to know you more. I want to know you fully. God, I want to see you. I'm still built to be in your presence face to face. Show me your face and show me your glory. And God the Father, who loved Moses deeply, said, I, I, I do want to show you. I'll put you in the cleft of a rock, and I'll put my hand in front of your face, and I will pass by you, and I will proclaim my name in front of you. And after I pass, I'll remove my hand so that you can see me from behind. But he said, no one gets to see my face, because sinful humans can't see me any longer face to face and live. Moses wanted to see God and know him fully, see him face to face. We still long to know more of God the Father. We see that in the life of a Middle Ages Irish monk named Kevin of Glendalough. Kevin of Glendalough lived in the 500s into the 600s AD, and during his lifetime, he was ordained as a priest. And after he was ordained as a priest, Kevin went out into the wilderness to a cave that was barely larger than an adult human being. And he lived in that cave seeking to know God. He studied, he prayed, he fasted. He did incredible things seeking to know God. It's said that out in that cave, he survived basically on grass and herbs and, and water and just an occasional fish. And it's said that Kevin of Glendalough would go into the water to pray, up to his neck, in the water, praying, even in the dead of winter, in that cold water, praying, seeking to know God. Now, there are all kinds of legends associated with Kevin of Glendalough, and the legends are definitely not the point here. But the point is that we want to know God so much that some of us will stand in the ice-cold water up to our necks seeking to know God. So much we want to know him. In our search for God, some people have missed how much of God we see in Jesus. In the ancient church, there was a, a, a group of, of non-Orthodox heretic Christians called the Arians, and, and they missed God in Jesus. 
The Arians in the ancient church followed the teachings of a priest named Arius. He, he lived in the city of Alexandria in Egypt. And the Arians believed firmly in God. And as they thought about God, they thought about the power and the glory and the transcendence of God. And they looked at Jesus and they saw flesh and blood and eminence in Jesus. And the two things conflicted. They looked at God the Father and they said, there's only one who can be God and that's him. So who is this? Who are you? You're flesh and blood. You're right here. You are not glory. You are not transcendence. You are not power. Who are you? And about Jesus, they said, he's clearly not God. He's important. He lived an amazing life. And because of his amazing life, God has honored him and elevated him. In fact, they said God has made him divine in some ways. He's lifted him up as Lord over all creation. But he is ultimately just a creature like every other creature. Because the Arians, as they looked at Jesus, could not see God the Father. And like the ancient Arians, sometimes we look at Jesus and we don't see what we're looking to see in God. When we're looking for God, we're looking for mystery. And we're looking for power and answers and insight into the future. When we think about God, we're thinking about someone that we want to solve all of our problems. When we think about God, we think about someone that we want to grant all of our wishes. And that's not Jesus. And so sometimes we, like the ancient Aryans, look at Jesus and we miss how much of God we've already seen. But Jesus, ironically, will not let us escape from an important truth, and that is that Jesus reveals the Father. Jesus reveals the Father. And we find this in the way that Jesus responds to Philip's question. He tells him, you've seen the Father already. We continue in verse 9 on through verse 11. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And so right here, Jesus is absolutely firm in his assertion that he is the one who reveals the Father to us. 
He, he gently chides his disciple, Philip, and the others who were probably thinking the same thing. They had said, show me the Father. Show me the Father. And Jesus says, I have been with you. We have done life together. I have taught you. You have seen the works that I've done. How can you not understand that in me, Jesus says, you have seen the Father? Jesus goes on to say, the Father dwells in me, and I dwell in the Father. You have seen the Father through my words, and you have seen the Father through my works. All throughout the gospel, we have been hearing the words of Jesus, and Jesus has been telling us that he and the Father are one. In fact, from the very beginning of the gospel according to John, John makes that clear to us. In John chapter 1, verse 18, John writes, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. Jesus reveals the Father, John is saying. And in case we missed it, Jesus is very blunt with it. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus puts it in a very arcane, subtle kind of way. I and the Father are one. Period. Jesus makes it absolutely clear through his words that he and the Father are one. And Jesus says to his disciples, if you have not seeing God the Father in my words. Have you not seen God the Father through my works? He had said this on another occasion as well. In John chapter 10, verses 37 and 38, he said, if I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And so Jesus is saying, I'm doing the Father's works. I am doing, first of all, he means, the work that the Father has given me to do. That work I am doing. But in addition to that, he's saying, as I do the work that the Father has given me to do, it's clear evidence to you unless you are just not paying attention, that God the Father is at work in creation because only by the power of the Father can these things be done. Only by the power of God can you turn water into wine, and only by the power of God can you feed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish. Only by the power of God can you walk on liquid water and still the storm by a word, and raise the dead, only by the power of God. And Jesus is saying, these things I have done so that you would recognize me for who I am. I am God in the flesh. The power of God the Father is in me and working through me. And so Jesus is the one who reveals God the Father to us, which leads us to a truth that we have to deal with right now, and that is while we wait for Jesus to return, he is revealing God the Father to us. While we wait for Jesus to return, he is revealing God the Father to us. Now, we're waiting. 
We're waiting for Jesus to return so we can see him face to face. We are waiting for Jesus to return so we can see God the Father face to face. We are waiting right now for Jesus to return. And as we wait, Jesus is revealing the Father right here and right now. When we look at Jesus, we recognize that God the Father dwells in God the Son, and God the Son dwells in God the Father. They are united. And so when we look at Jesus and see who he is and what he does and what he says, we come to know God the Father, who he is, what he does, and what he says. But there's more, because the Bible tells us that Jesus obeyed God the Father perfectly. He did perfectly what God the Father wants done. And so as we look at what Jesus did, we learn so much about what it is that God wants from us. Jesus is revealing God the Father to us while we wait. And Jesus is revealing God the Father to us probably in no way more clearly than through his cross and his resurrection. And if you are looking for mystery and power and transcendence and wishes granted and problems solved for God, then the cross and the resurrection are an odd pair of places to look. But Jesus through the cross and resurrection, is revealing God the Father to us in a very clear and yet surprising way. Now, as we think about the cross in particular and God the Father, we think on the cross, God the Father is turning his face away from the Son, and the Father is putting our sin and our guilt on the Son, and God the Father is pouring out His wrath on the Son. And we think we know everything about how the cross shows us God the Father. But we need to keep looking because in the cross, Jesus is revealing God the Father to us. In the cross, we are finding the heart of God the Father. Because in the cross, we are finding God the Father's determination to eliminate sin. We are finding God the Father's grace and mercy and love toward us. That's what the cross shows us as well. And through Jesus' resurrection, we have a clear power, a clear picture of the power of God the Father at work. When the ground shakes and the stone rolls away from the front of the tomb, we see the power of God the Father at work, and we get to know God the Father better. But when we see, too, the risen Christ, and, and we picture in his eyes the mercy and triumph with which he greets his disciples, we learn about God the Father because the Son dwells in the Father, and the Father dwells in the Son. Those are the Father's eyes looking at us with mercy and triumph over sin, and death, and evil. Jesus reveals God the Father to us no more clearly than through his cross 
and his resurrection. It's in Jesus that we get to know God. And so if we want to know God the Father, and we do, we want to know God the Father to the point where we'll stand in a lake of freezing water up to our necks to get to know him. We want to know him and see him face to face. If we want to know God, and we do, we've got to receive Jesus Christ. To receive Jesus Christ begins with us repenting. And to repent means that we acknowledge our sin and our disobedience against God. We, we turn away from it. We ask for forgiveness and we receive and accept forgiveness and grace. And turning away from our sin, we turn toward and walk toward God the Father. And if we want to receive Jesus, we have to believe we have to believe that he says that he is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God who came to live among us, to die on our behalf, to rise again from the dead. He is the one who is coming again. We have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Because until we believe in Jesus, we can't know Jesus. And to receive Jesus into our lives means that we commit to following him for the rest of our lives because he is Lord and he is in charge. If we want to know God, we have to receive Jesus because Jesus is the one who reveals God the Father to us. And having received Jesus into our lives, we get to know Jesus. We'd love to get to know mystery and transcendence and power and answers and wishes granted and problems solved. We need to get to know Jesus. Dig deeply into Jesus, who he is, what he says, and what he does. Get to know Jesus. Ask God to shape the mind of Christ in you, because the Bible promises us that he will, and in getting the mind of Christ, we come to know Christ more. Get to know Jesus. The Bible says if you want to get to know Jesus, obey him, because when we obey Jesus, the Bible says Jesus dwells with us, and by the way, so does God the Father. Get to know Jesus. Dig into who he is Get to know Jesus. Obey him. Get to know Jesus. Ask God to shape the mind of Christ in you. Because Jesus is the one who reveals God the Father to us. While we wait, Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the perfect reflection of God the Father is revealing God the Father to us. Get to know Jesus. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. 
From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.